The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Good morning, food lovers, sharing my outlook on the food world with you. There are a wealth of tastes out there. If you're looking for new ideas, quick tips, and easy recipes, then you are definitely in the right place. This is cooking and entertaining from a chef's point of view, and we hope you won't miss a few new features at chefjamie.com this week. Every Sunday morning for two hours of delicious conversation, we join you in your radio, and we hope that you will sit down at the table and join us for some seriously fabulous food this morning. Good morning to you, Lana. Very glad to have you on the radio, as always. Let me tell you what is on your plate, what we have coming up. A very happy new year. Lishanatova to all who celebrate the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah, which begins tonight. We wish you a sweet and prosperous year, of course. And we're going to share with you some tips and tricks to make your Rosh Hashanah meal that much more delicious. Coming up, Arthur Schwartz is going to share his mushroom barley soup and what's on his Rosh Hashanah menu, along with pastry chef Abby Dodge, our resident sweets maker. She's going to talk macaroons and a sweet cinnamon honey dessert that is simple to put together and perfect for the Jewish holiday. Also, Chef Rick Moonen of RM Seafood is dishing on sustainable seafood and his catfish sloppy joe, which is a huge hit at his Vegas restaurant. You'll also hear from Chef Bernard Gias and Gary Woolley. They're sharing fall recipes for using fennel pollen, one of my favorite secret ingredients, and the Food Network's much-loved Sunny Anderson. We love her, too. Working on her first cookbook, in fact, live from her test kitchen. She's going to be at the New York Wine and Food Festival coming up in New York beginning of next month, as we will be as well, and so we're going to tell you all about it. Lana, I'm looking forward to traveling and eating galore. Oh, aren't we? (laughs) Definitely so. We have been eating well, especially here in Southern California and abroad, and you'll find restaurant reviews, videos, and recipes of the week, along with cocktails you'll love at chefjamie.com, so please check it out. We're going to kick off this morning with our technique of the week. It's meant to be a little something that we hope will change your life in your kitchen, big time. They're not-so-secret secrets that I have found very helpful in my cooking, and they are being shared on the website. You'll find the technique of the week, this week, in fact, how to make homemade chicken stock. And when it comes to making chicken stock, you don't need much more than a big soup pot, the leftover bones from that roasted chicken that you made last night for dinner, or maybe you bought at Bristol Farms, or some vegetable odds and ends to go along with it, and then you really have the the means to make homemade chicken stock. I can't even imagine tossing a chicken carcass in the trash. What an incredible waste that would be. And making homemade stock is so simple and so much better than the canned kind. It is a great base for soups, for chilies all throughout the football season, for braises, and it freezes beautifully. So whether they're small containers or even big, or consider ice cube trays of stock for when you just need like a few tablespoons for a sauce, really it's such an incredibly easy process. There's no excuse 
to not be making homemade stock. Now, by definition, and this is a question we get often, Lana, and I love, mm-hmm. this is one of the great French classical recipes. The simplicity of it is beautiful. Um, but the, the method itself and the defining factors are what are most important. The difference between stock and broth is bones. Broth is usually from concentrate or it's reconstituted. Stock is made from the carcass, the bones, even the shells of protein. So if you're making chicken stock, it comes from the bones. It could be a raw chicken, by the way, making like chicken soup, for instance, or it could be the bones. And there's two ways to actually make stock. You can roast the bones first, which I've given a method for on the website, and that gives you a really rich, even darker colored stock that's full of flavor. Or you can just throw the bones into a pot of water and cover with aromatics and flavorful vegetables. If you made lobster stock, which we do when we have leftover, well, there's no such thing as leftover lobster. That's sort of like leftover wine. doesn't happen. Um, But if you take the lobster shells and you throw them into a pot with water and carrots and onions, you get lobster stock. The same thing at Thanksgiving, right? Turkey stock. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the, some of the best flavor you'll ever experience. And so this is a quick refresher on the simple one-on-one on how to make really good chicken stock. Now, we do it in a pot, but we've also been known to do it in the pressure cooker, which I think is um, a quite uh, brilliant concept and, Lana, I know you think that the flavor is almost richer oftentimes in the pressure cooker and a third of the time for yes. cooking. Oh, it's a very quick way, and you could use the stock uh, immediately. Yes, that's true. Now, there are a couple of tips to making the ultimate stock. You can throw everything from the produce bin, fresh and sometimes slightly aging, into the pot with the chicken. Onions, carrots, leeks, celery, parsnips, garlic, fresh thyme, dill, parsley, what did I forget, salt and pepper, celery root if you wanted, right? Celery Mm -hmm. it's also known as. And then you bring it to a boil, reduce it to a simmer if you're doing it on the top of the stove. And after a few hours, you, and you've walked away, you have this beautiful, reduced, delicious flavored stock. Now, I like to let the stock cool and then place it in the refrigerator overnight. You taught me that. Mm -hmm. And this really applies to not only your chicken stock, but even to your Rosh Hashanah brisket, right? Because the fat congeals Mm -hmm. on the top, and you skim it the next day. Mm -hmm. And the stock might become a little gelatinous when it's chilled, but it always returns to the liquid state when it's warmed again. Well, that's a good thing to see it become jellied. Yes, because that means you reduced it so much that you brought out the gelatin and the bones and you have really guaranteed delicious flavor. Now, from my restaurant days, I can tell you there are two ways to make chicken stock. The first is the dump recipe, which I just explained. The other is a very rich stock, dark brown color. And that option is where the bones are roasted first, often with the onions. Mm -hmm. And I know from watching lots of Food Network that we know Bobby Flay only makes roasted stocks. Mm -hmm. And if you're making just boiled stock, then you should really try the second version and see what you like um, because it's really uh, an enhanced flavor that I think is quite delicious. Well, I think if you're going to save it uh, and put it into containers and freeze it, yes. then roasting your bones is the best way to go because it adds to all of your future sauces. Yeah, it definitely 
it compounds mm-hmm. the flavor, mm-hmm. essentially. Once you've tasted and cooked with homemade stock, which we made Arthur Schwartz's mushroom barley soup with homemade stock, mm-hmm. you will seldom buy the commercial kind again. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tremendous difference. The best flavor, I think, comes from homemade chicken stock. And there is a standard recipe posted on the Technique of the mm-hmm. Week at ChefJamie.com. It includes leeks and carrots and celery and parsnips that sweet white carrot that I love, and all the good stuff that goes into making the ultimate chicken stock. So please check it out and let us know how your homemade stock turns out. You can always email us your cooking questions directly to live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com, live at chefjamie.com, or jamie at chefjamie.com, or lana at chefjamie.com. And don't forget you're going to add a starch of your choice. Yes, to it, whether it be rice or egg noodles or crepe lock, like we made. Yeah, we're preparing night. for Rosh Hashanah. I loved making crepe lock with you last night. Just those simple little dumplings that are going to burst with flavor mm-hmm. in a in a lovely broth tonight to start out the meal. Yes, yes, a chicken crepe lock. A lot of people make beef crepe lock as well. I liked the chicken flavor, and I love mm. that we tested it. You know, when you're making a meatloaf come this fall season, as soon as the weather here in Southern California gets cool, um, or you're making anything from a, a raw meat base, always take a little bit out like we did of the crepe lock dough and put it into a saute pan and just cook it quickly so that you can taste it cooked and adjust the seasoning. This is how really great meatballs and meatloaf and Kreplach and dumplings and any Chinese dumpling is made even better by testing the ingredients all along the way to guarantee delicious results. We know that you're here because you love to eat and you have a passion for cooking. Well, we're keeping you updated on our culinary explorations of the world, and we hope you will join us. We have just planned my fifth annual Chef Jamie Loyal Listeners Cruise, and it is coming up next year, September 2013. So you have lots of time to prepare. We are going on a Baltic Odyssey on board Oceana Cruises Marina ship from Copenhagen to Stockholm. And if you love to indulge in fabulous food and fine wine, then we hope you will join us to experience the brilliance and the beauty of the Baltics. I am very excited. Uh, we are setting sail for a 10-day journey, September 3rd, 2013 of next year. We start in Copenhagen. Uh, then we go um, to Berlin, Germany. We'll see the Berlin Wall. We're off to Poland where we'll explore the city's uh, deeply rooted history. Then what the New York Times says are some of the best restaurants in Europe right now. We're going to spend three days exploring St. Petersburg. Oh, I'm having blinis and caviar everywhere we go. I absolutely can't wait. And then finally we end in Stockholm, Sweden. And there are lots of wonderful, fabulously foodie plans all throughout the cruise. I'll be cooking on board for you in a private cooking class along with a food and wine seminar. We'll be offering a short excursion as well, private for our group. And we are planning to create unforgettable memories. So we hope you will join us on our Baltic Odyssey. Food and Wine Trails Agency Mm -hmm. is handling our cruise and you can learn more at chefjamie.com and click through to foodandwinetrails.com. Did you know that the number one restaurant in the world is in Denmark? No, but I'd really like to go there. It's Noma Restaurant. It's been made number one. They are really doing fabulous things up in the Baltics. Yeah, pretty impressive. Fabulous cooking. Yes, uh, delicious dishes. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't wait. We hope that you will cruise with us. My fifth annual Loyal Listeners Cruise coming up next September 2013. So check it out, please, at chefjamie.com. And stay with us as the delicious conversation continues. You just 
might learn something. Coming up, you're going to hear from Erica Sanchez. She's the Nibbles and Feasts blog that's gained a lot of attention. It's actually bilingual and quite interesting. You'll learn more about it. Plus, we're making your dishes come alive with flavor, so stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. There's nowhere else we'd rather be on a Sunday morning than live with you. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy. There's more delicious tastes right after this. It's delectable. It's divine. It's food and wine with Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. We have scoured the web, and we have found the tastiest, most delectable, most Red food blogs of them all, and she is one of them. We know that you're reading Nibbles and Feasts, and we know that you know that Erica Sanchez has been named one of Babbel.com's top 100 mom food bloggers and one of the top Latina bloggers in the country. Erica joins us live to share what she loves about food and what it's like to be surrounded by food and her computer keyboard most of the day long. We're glad to have you. Good morning, Erica. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Very well. Good. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, how nice. Thank you. We're very delighted that you've joined us, and uh, we know that you have a tremendous passion for food, and it comes from your childhood combined with your culture, and that's very much uh, where I come from, too. You know that um, Lana is my mom, and we work together, and my love for food began when I sat on the counter in the kitchen. Um, tell us what it's like to raise a family in the Latin culture and write about food, and interestingly enough, you write about food in English and in Spanish. Yes, that's correct. Well, I, similar to you, I grew up you know, around food. My grandmother being a person like my chef and my instructor along with my mom, but mm. every summer I would spend my 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 vacation with my grandmother and she owned a convenience store and she would sell all of these different foods to the to the public, including, you know, soap and and uh, rice and but you know, her main bread and butter was bread and butter. <laughs> so that was um how it all began and it's just it's very um it brings back a lot of memories, and I enjoy doing it, you know, passing it on to my my son. It's really an, a, an amazing way to bring history forward. What is it like to have the top bilingual blog? Tell us how you do it. It's very interesting to me. At the top part of the page, you can read the uh, the blog about quesadillas and, you know, what your son loves about it or, uh, you know, all the backstory. And then if you continue to read down, it is translated word for word into Spanish. Yes, it's actually double. It's like writing two blog posts. It's a very... It's very diligent. You have to really go through everything twice. Some ingredients are translated differently, hmm. but it is, it's double the work. And I don't know how it just, it just happened. I was just documenting my recipes, and all of a sudden this blog just exploded. And I was very, very honored to be named as part of the rabble list and, as, and to be invited to the White House this past May to listen to, to some of the top people in, 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 in D.C. Hmm. Congratulations. Tell us, you know, as if we were there with you, give us a virtual tour of what it was like to be in D.C. Where do you think blogs are going and growing to? Well, this was definitely focused to the Latina mom. And uh, it, we were invited to uh, attend a session at the White House where they spoke about nutrition and health care and employment. So, of course, my passion is nutrition, and they talked to us about Let's Move and MyPlant.org 
And uh, there was just, it was just a big push for us to dilute that that information and spread the word of what's going on in, in the White House and that there is help out there if you can get it on any whatever it is. So if you look for it, you'll find it. Yeah. We're big proponents of the Let's Move campaign through the First Lady, of course, and her gardens and the farmer's market. Mexican cuisine is traditionally known, Latin cuisine, for being uh, indulgent, might be a kind word, uh, you know, filled with cheese and often fat and um, fried foods. And I wonder if you would share a couple of tips with us to create leaner meals that are Latin-inspired. Of course. I did grow up uh, around... Sometimes in lard in the in the big, oh, the big celebrations. Yeah. Of course, you know tamales, and uh-huh. but of course we cut that out. We'll use oil instead of um, melting cheeses that are loaded with fat. We use um, fresh cheeses. It could be like queso fresco or cotija, or just cut down on the tortillas and and on the flour tortillas and eat a little bit more corn. We try to you know adjust our lifestyle, but definitely. That's been that's out the window. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, also, as far as the chorizo, we'll use soy chorizo. My son loves it. He oh, he does. The yeah. I mean, there's no difference to him at all. It's part of the home now. We'll use tofu as well. He, we love putting it in his fidel, so it is a vermicelli soup, so it's, it's, he's used to it now. He loves it. I think it's terrific that we're able to incorporate like flavors and still accommodate the cravings but that we can um, raise our children knowing that there are really good foods out there that taste good, that are good for you, and that you can feel good about serving. I'm not sure that the quesadilla falls under the health food category, um, but I love the piece that you did um, recently on the blog about quesadillas because it is it's a super quick snack. It can be made very unique and inspired by whatever you happen to have in the fridge. It doesn't have to be Latin-inspired. You could make an Italian quesadilla with a you know, a smear of pesto and buffalo mozzarella cheese and sun-dried tomatoes from Melissa's if you had them on the door. Give us some of your best combinations. My best and my favorite would have to be queso fresco and squash blossoms. Mm. I just love that. It's so very rustic. And also um, mushrooms, throwing those in there and caramelizing onions and, you know, having some sort of a cheese in there, um, mm. your favorite cheese, and it has just the balance of the sweetness of the onions and the, the earthiness of the mushrooms, it's mm. just a great way to, to have this just a complete meal, and kids love cheese, <laughs> any cheese they'll take. And very vegetarian, too. I'm really leaning more, I mean, I love a good steak, Erica, but I am really definitely leaning more toward the vegetarian style on some days, I just feel better. And I like the idea of using the leaner cheese and incorporating the onions and the mushrooms as you talk about. Tell us more. What else are you cooking with in the Latin style? Oh, definitely tamales. Tamales yes. are big. And uh, soups, very creamy, hearty soups like crema poblano, crema potato, all those comfort. Comfort foods. Right, wait, go back to crema poblano. Can you talk us through it? It starts, I would think, with a simple saute. Yes, uh, with simple saute, and you, well, actually, you first have to peel the chilies. Okay. You have to so, roast them and peel them. Yes. And then you saute onions and with a little bit of butter, and you um, also boil some potatoes on the side. You blend in potatoes and poblanos in the blender, and you simmer it. It's actually really easy. Throw it in the pot, let it simmer for a while, throw in a little bit of cream or milk mm. if you're cutting down on, on, on that, salt, taste 
and it's perfect. It's very smoky and very creamy. The the potato really balances it out. And then I'm thinking, because of course I have to push the envelope, you know, I'm thinking just some um, crispy bacon crumbled over the top with the smoky flavor of the poblano and the richness of the potato, or even a, a piece of pancetta just crisped in the oven on a baking sheet, you know, lined with a silpat mat, just as a really beautiful garnish. You could also garnish it with tesa fresco, mm. a little piece of tesa fresco, and that's the saltiness that it yes. makes perfect. Ooh, a little bit of tang. Okay, cream of poblano soup uh, on my menu, and hopefully uh, soon to be noted once again in Erica Sanchez's bilingual blog. You'll find her at Nibbles and Feasts. It's really a wonderful combination of English and Spanish-inspired dishes and her family stories. And we congratulate you on all your continued success and for bringing such delicious dishes to life. Thank you again for sharing all your passion, Erica. We wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Amy. It was a pleasure to have you. As we continue our culinary conversation, you wrote to us. We like to say join the conversation. You can even talk with your mouth full via email at live at chefjamie.com. Lana, what is Joan in need of this morning? Oh, so many people have written in about how to make the best noodle cocoa. Well, it is Rosh Hashanah. Yes. So, <laughs> you're going to share your... It does go with brisket well, doesn't it? Yes, that it does, and it will at about 6.30 tonight. I can't wait to sit down and eat. It is slightly sweet and it's very indulgently rich. And it's also great for breakfast the next morning. Oh, is it ever with a cup of coffee? But mm-hmm. a couple of secrets that you share, which I love, that I think make for a creamier noodle kugel. Mm-hmm. To just put, except the noodles, of course, everything in the blender. Yes. You know, your cottage cheese, your sour cream. If you're using cream cheese, put it in there. Sugar, a little bit of the unmel- unsalted uh, butter, uh, melted, some salt, some cinnamon. I like the smoothness that you get when you blend, use the food processor or the blender, the cottage cheese, the sour cream, mm-hmm. all the dairy. And it makes for a firmer noodle kugel if you want to cut it into squares at the end, let it rest for about 20 minutes. It's sort of custardy, mm-hmm. essentially, that sets up. Yes, yeah. exactly. And for Tom that wrote in, you can make it low-fat, Tom, if you mm-hmm. wanted, right? Just low-fat dairy, low-fat cream cheese. Right. Low-fat sour cream, low-fat mm-hmm. cottage cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's richer and but Rosanna only comes once a year, so <laughs> go big or go home and let us know how your noodle kugel turns right. out. Make sure that your egg uh, noodles are drained very well. Good tip. Thank you for writing in, Joan. We appreciate it. And Tom as well. Alicia Nachova, Happy New Year to you both. As the delicious conversation continues, Chef Rick Moonen is sharing his catfish sloppy joe. You won't want to miss this recipe. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We have a taste for life, and we're dedicated to delicious dishes. So is this gentleman. Chef Rick Moonen has devoted much of his career to being the country's top culinary advocate for sustainable seafood. We love his extraordinary restaurant, Rick Moonen's RM Seafood at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. It's really 
a, a beautiful sight to behold. The lower level of the restaurant offers sustainable seafood. There's a sushi and a raw bar. And then the upper level is the more elegant dining experience. His globally inspired cuisine is highlighted and his whimsical menus as well. His first cookbook, A Lifelong Dream, was published a few years ago called Fist Without a Doubt. It's a practical hands-on guide to buying, preparing, and cooking a wide array of fish. And you've seen him on the hit TV series Top Chef Masters and Top Chef Las Vegas. But you can find him at the stove and for the first time here in your radio. We're delighted to have you, Chef. Good morning. Good morning, Janie. How are you? We're doing great. And you? Fantastic. Good. I'm so glad. Well, welcome. We really very much appreciate your commitment to sustainable seafood, and we, too, advocate for the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And we'd love to know if you would give us an idea of how our oceans stand right now. Well, I would love to have a glowing report, but unfortunately, Hmm. it's not so. There's a global hunger for ocean products of kind of bared down too much on, on a short list of species that we think are fantastic. And there's so many more out there. There's a diversity in the ocean that what we're ignoring, and, and we're driving some of our favorite species to uh, to extinction in some, some cases. So what I try to do is show people that diversity can be tasty, that diversity is, is not that difficult to obtain and to, to, uh, to cook, and it's just as good for you, and it's so much healthier for the environment because it gives those targeted species a chance to recover. I love how verbal you are, Rick, about what you stand up for. There was a wonderful piece in the Washington Post about how you stand up for wild Alaskan salmon. And when you serve salmon in the restaurant, a card comes to the table and tells the diner exactly where that salmon comes from to try to support areas of growth. Is that something that you plan to continue to do to try to spread the gospel? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm trying to bring more personal connection with people and their food. Hmm. You know, and fish aren't necessarily the most cuddliest things in the world. Nobody really helps you fish <laughs> the fish, you know. But we understand how important it is. And we, in the future of our existence is going to be interdependent upon the health of our planet. Yeah. I mean, we're 7 billion people on this planet right now. Yeah. 1 billion of them are hungry or starving. We're going up to 9 billion, according to projections. We have to treat our environment a little bit more respectfully, yes. you know, and, and it can be delicious. It's not, oh, no, it's not a woe-is-me situation. No, you know? certainly and, and, not. And I've, I've been focused on this for 20-some-odd years, you know, so it's kind of a natural progression for me to be handing out information. You know, you're, you're eating a wild salmon today. Yes, it is a little bit more expensive, but here's the reason that it's better for you and for the world. You know, Bristol Bay is what you're talking about. It's a part of Alaska that no one knows about, right. except if you're a fisherman, you go up there, because the population is a 1,000 people. <laughs> yeah, and it's where most of our sockeye salmon globally comes from, one part of the world. It's also a very rich part of uh, the environment, so they found a lot of gold and copper there. They want to put an open-pit mine at the headwaters of these rivers that supply the salmon naturally to us every single year, over no, and over. No, Nobody, no, no. Nobody's planting a seed. Nobody's doing anything about it, but, but, but nature's bringing it to us, and there's plenty of it. Right. But if we put this mine in there, it's going to destroy the environment, and those fish will go away. You know, And it just doesn't make sense. We've been doing this for way too long. So I have a message. I love food, and I love delivering information, and I hope that it, and I think that it's reached a tipping point. People are starting to go, mm, you know, we really have to do something. I agree. I think people are starting to listen. By the way, good morning. If you've just tuned in, you're late because Chef Rick Moonen is in your radio, RMC Food at the Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas. This is cooking and entertaining from a chef's point of view. Uh, we are listening, Chef. And one of the things you mentioned about how you can't cuddle with your fish, 
If you don't mind, I want you to know I would love to cuddle up with one of your catfish sloppy joes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun thing. When I was in the midst of doing my cookbook, Fish Without a Doubt, I realized that I needed to use um, seafood that people can get in the middle of America. You know, catfish and tilapia. These are affordable fish proteins that, you know, in a high-end restaurant are normally, you know, utilized. So I started playing around with catfish, and I was actually pretty impressed with its texture and everything. It had a real meaty texture. I'm like, hmm. I was making a barbecue sauce at the time to glaze a different recipe, and I'm like, this would probably work. And it tastes like I can make a sloppy joe out of it. Mm. Put it together, took a bite out of it, and I turned to Roy, who was my co-op, and I said, this is going to sell this book. Ended up on the Oprah Winfrey show. We yes. served here at RMC Food in Mandalay Bay, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. I love that the farm-raised catfish that you're using is rated the best choice, right, in terms of the Monterey Bay Aquarium well, Safeguard yeah, environment. Yeah, as long as they're farm-raised in the United States. Right. right? There's, you know, there's other countries that don't adhere to the same uh, set of rules and standards as we do. and um, We need to be watchful. Correct. Yes. You know, and, and that's true with tilapia as well. You know, farm-raised in the United States, same scenario. Okay, so we're conscious of that. There's this fish-friendly barbecue sauce, though, that you flavor with clam juice and a little caramel and red wine vinegar, and I'd kill to know a little bit more about how to make it. Oh, it's simple. You take some olive oil, you saute some onions and garlic, put a little fresh thyme in it, cook it slowly, no color. In another pan, a little bit of sugar till it turns to caramel, add some uh, red wine vinegar, bring them together with, uh, I think I mentioned fresh thyme leaves, yes. and then some clam juice. Normally I would add some stock of some sort if it was for meat, but in this case, the clam juice, which really has the flavor of the ocean, that umani deliciousness. Mm. Mm. So it adds a richness to the barbecue sauce and a little Tabasco in there, you know, kick it up a little bit for flavor or whatever your favorite hot sauce. And that's the base. Then basically, it's just you saute some fresh onions and, and some peppers, and some paprika, mm. add the barbecue sauce to it, saute the catfish on the side, bring it all together, uh, simmer it down till it gets thick, put it on a toasted bun. And uh, some pickles, and I like to put, you know, some potato chips or something for crunch, and and just wait for it to drip down your arm, because it's called a sloppy joe for a reason. (laughs) Oh, you made me hungry. I would actually go for a catfish sloppy joe for breakfast. That would be perfect for tonight, you know, for Rosh Hashanah. Yes. Put that together, you know, (laughs) and kids love it. It's delicious. It's affordable. It it carries omega-3s right into your bloodstream. It's good for you. All good stuff. I love that you mentioned Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. We are celebrating the start of the Jewish New Year tonight. And Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year in Hebrew. So for this reason, in a lot of Jewish communities, it's very traditional to eat the whole fish. Chef, as I'm sure you know, to put it out for a Rosh Hashanah meal is definitely a symbol of abundance. So would you talk us through your best preparation for a whole fish for dinner tonight? You know what I would do? I would do it in a salt crust. Mm. I think uh, it's really... You know, it's not as difficult as you think. If you have a whole fish, leave the head on. You can even leave the scales on it because a fish is naturally waterproof, okay? And it, it swims in the water. Water's not going into it. Well put. So you're going to create a com- complete cast, a cast out of, out of salt, like a pl- you know, plaster of Paris. You take kosher salt, egg whites, and water, mix them up together until it gets, it's, it's like wet sand. You put it down on a large, uh, you know, cookie sheet or some kind of a sheet pan. And then uh, the fish goes right on top. You coat the top of it with, with salt as well and bake it in the oven. It comes out unbelievable because the fish is cooked on the bone. It's basically steamed in its own in its own juices, but it mm-hmm. gets all the benefits from the mm-hmm. gelatin and the flavor and the nutrition from the bones. Mm-hmm. You crack the shell off of it, the, the salt uh, crust, peel it off. The skin comes right off. The 
flesh is just steamy and delicious, sticky almost because of all the gelatin in it. A little bit of extra virgin olive oil, your favorite herbs, some vegetables on the side, some cucumbers. It's unbelievable. Super simple and worth the effort. And so clean and so full of fabulous fresh flavor. And that's what I love, from the sea to your table. And you do have a little bit of leeway here. It's not, oh, you know, you have to do it two and a half minutes or you're overcooked. The fish tends to stay much more moist. You know, in this instance, I'm thinking in my mind like a bronzino or a lutamere mm. or a smaller size fish. You certainly don't want to put in, you know, a two-foot-long fish into your oven. You want to, probably won't fit. Sure. You can do, like, a, some smaller fish. Seth, you want to come for Rosh Hashanah dinner tonight at Lana's? You can bring the fish. I'll be right over. I'd love it. <laughs> you have an open invitation anytime. What is your latest ingredient obsession? Rick? I've been playing around a lot with what's well, little salmon roe, to be honest with you. Salmon roe. Salmon roe. I mean, from the Yukon River. You know, this is like one of the longest rivers in the world. And the fish that come uh, are caught in the Yukon have so much fat. So I've, I've got kilos of chum roe. Yeah. And it's just so packed with the, it's like a superfood. And the flavor is just so rich and delicious. I've been mm. putting it on everything. I've been mm. spreading it on flatbreads. I've been using it in my sushi restaurant. And I've been just... I, I have one in, uh, in my refrigerator at home because I just think it's, it's like, forget those omega-3 capsules. Get it, right, get eat it, it fresh. From, from the source, yeah. Put it on so your that, cereal. That, that, <laughs> I, <laughs> I love that. You can find it at RM Seafood at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, guaranteed. And we can find you coming up at Savor the Central Coast. We're very excited oh, yeah. about your participation in what we think is one of the best West Coast food events. It's a breathtaking uh, atmosphere and environment at the historic Santa Margarita Ranch, right? It's called Savor the Central Coast. It's uh, brought to us by Sunset Magazine, and there are still tickets available, savorcentralcoast.com. Will you be cooking and eating? I will be cooking, eating, drinking, beautiful. (laughs) I mean, that that area of the world is just so gorgeous. Yes. Wine-growing region all the agriculture, all the, all the farms and everything. If, if I had to pick one place in the world that I could live, it would be St. Louis Bispo. You know, it's so beautiful. I can't wait to go. I'm going to be doing a cooking demonstration on uh, on September 30th, a Sunday, and plan on just kicking back and having a great time because it's one of the most embracing places in the world. Besides the diversity and the deliciousness of food, you know, savor, take your time, relax. Enjoy. It's so delicious. And it's all good for you. You don't have to start questioning. This is coming from a source of, that isn't isn't good for me. It yeah. certainly is. You can feel it. It's in the air. It's definitely a culinary journey when you're in that part of the world, and a wonderful way to savor. There are still tickets available so that you too can see and meet Rick Moonen in person. Chef will be there. The entire weekend, although he's showcased on September 30th, and you want to be there September 27th through the 30th, tickets available to register at favorcentralcoast.com. Do you want to learn more about the leading chefs making fabulous fish dishes in our country today? Go to rickmoonin.com, and we hope you'll come back, Chef, and join us again. What a fascinating, wonderful conversation. You inspired me to a whole fish tonight for Rosh Hashanah, and we will think of you and say a blessing with your name. Thank you very much. Yes, of course. Well, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Rick Moonen, RM, Seafood at Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas. Looking forward to having you on again, Chef. What a delightful conversation. As the delicious conversation continues, there's more right after this. One last bite. Don't go away. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. She's our resident baker and sweets maker. 
She is pastry chef Abby Dodge at abbydodge.com. You can bake together with her. And she's joining us this morning to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, which starts tonight. Rosh Tovah to all who celebrate a sweet and prosperous New Year. Abby, we're so glad to have you for uh, a short, sweet thought to end this hour. And we love the recipes you shared. Thank you. By the way, if you would like Abby Dodge's recipes for chocolate dip, toasted coconut macaroons, and cinnamon sugar apple phyllo triangles, you can email us live at chefjamie.com. Good morning, Abby. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Pre-New Year to you. Well, thank you very much. Talk to us about these little triangles with the crunchy, sugary outside, as you say, and a buttery, caramelized apple center. I'm in. I know. Right. <laughs> right. Well, to me, this is just one of these wonderfully easy yet incredibly flavorful recipes. And the filling, let's start with the filling, because it has two, the two ingredients that when I think of Rosh Hashanah, I go directly to, and that's apples and honey. Mm-hmm. And the filling is sautéed up until the apples are, you know, buttery tender. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. if you could eat a apple-flavored butter, this is it. Mm-hmm. And you flavor it with your own type of honey, um, more or less, depending on, on what you like. And really, you can use any, you know, any type of honey, any flavored honey. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it local. Um because I always think that's best, and it helps yes. with your allergies, too. Mm-hmm. And then I fold them up in strips of phyllo um, that's not difficult to work with. But, you know, I give directions on how to do that, that I layer with some cinnamon sugar and some nuts. So you get not only the flaky pastry once they're baked, but you get the crunchy texture from, the, from what's in between those layers. And then you bite into that center filling of the apple honey filling. Mm. I think it's just heaven. Fabulous. Mm. Abby, I have some puff pastry, frozen puff pastry in the house. Could I substitute that for the phyllo? Yes, you definitely can, Lana. Um, You're not going to be layering it in the same way um, with the cinnamon nut sugar because Mm -hmm. um, the puff pastry is much, much thicker. Mm -hmm. And with the frozen puff pastry... Um, you want to thaw it in the refrigerator or, you know, you can do it on the counter as long as you're watching it. And just make sure to roll it. Um, you can even roll it using some of that cinnamon sugar. Ooh, um, nice. And, and, and so it's nice and thin. And oh. then you do your strips and then fold. Instead of folding them, the triangles, many times, I just fold over once. Cut them into small squares. Oh, nice. Add the filling in the center. Fold over. Brush with some egg glaze and then Sprinkle the cinnamon sugar nut on top. Over the top. Oh, See, that's more that's like a dessert. ham pie. That's the right? We talked about those beautiful ham pies. In fact, there's a wonderful recipe posted at chefjamie.com from Abby. I'll eat your puff pastry anyway, Mom, just so you know. And, Abby, I'm going to try it with the phyllo. I love the layers of the butter in between the crunchy phyllo. And then traditional for most Jewish holidays, and just I think a sweet that we know and love so much that it translates just to, translates rather just about to any feast are macaroons. So give us the two minute lowdown, Abby, on how to make the ultimate coconut macaroon, please. Okay. Well, um, this my macaroon, my coconut macaroon, has four ingredients. And I start with toasted coconut, which is a little, oh, I love that. It's a little different, but in my book, Desserts for Today, I really wanted to make these flavors, you know, four-ingredient desserts have big flavors. So I start with toasted coconut, and I mix it with some egg white and some 
granulated sugar, and again, not a lot because this coconut is already toasted. And then you just spoon them, you know, little two tablespoon mounds, and you use onto your cookie sheets, and you slightly dampen fingers so that it doesn't stick to your fingers, and shape them into little pyramids, little kind of small traditional pyramids. Mm -hmm. Bake them at a low temperature, uh, like 275, and, um, and then let them cool. And then I like to dip those pyramid tips mm. into melted bittersweet chocolate. Yeah, and that's what I really like about you the most, Abby. <laughs> and I like to put out a fondue, by the way, and just dip every and oh. any sweet Perfect. on the table. Perfect, Perfect. for Rosh Hashanah. And Abby's going to be back to talk about her new book, Mini Treats and a Handheld Sweet, in yes. a couple of weeks. We can't wait. The new release from Abby Dodge, the newest sweet cookbook essential for your collection, will soon arrive at Amazon.com, and we're mm-hmm. going to dish on all the most delicious recipes from our resident baker and sweets maker. Abby, we love you and we love your sweets and we thank you for celebrating with us. Love you too, ladies. Oh, thank you. The chocolate dip toasted macaroons and the cinnamon sugar apple phyllo triangle recipes can be yours. Write to us at live at chefjamie.com, abbydodge.com. You'll find Abby tweeting on Twitter too. She's the best. As we continue our culinary conversation right here, stay tuned because there's a whole other hour of fabulous food in your radio. Grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana with you on this Sunday morning. You're listening to KFWB News Talk 980. The following program is brought to you by TasteBud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwen. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and wine with Chef Jamie Gwen starts now. Good morning, food lovers, sharing my outlook on the food world with you. There are a wealth of tastes out there. If you're looking for new ideas, quick tips, and easy recipes, then you are definitely in the right place. This is cooking and entertaining from a chef's point of view, and we hope you won't miss a few new features at ChefJamie.com this week. Every Sunday morning for two hours of delicious conversation, we join you in your radio, and we hope that you will sit down at the table and join us for some seriously fabulous food this morning. Good morning to you, Lana. Very glad to have you on the radio, as always. Let me tell you what is on your plate, what we have coming up. A very happy new year. Lishanatova to all who celebrate the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah, which begins tonight. We wish you a sweet and prosperous year, of course. And we're going to share with you some tips and tricks to make your Rosh Hashanah meal that much more delicious. Coming up, Arthur Schwartz is going to share his mushroom barley soup and what's on his Rosh Hashanah menu, along with pastry chef Abby Dodge, our resident sweets maker. She's going to talk macaroons and a sweet cinnamon honey dessert that is simple to put together and perfect for the Jewish holiday. Also, Chef Rick Moonen of RM Seafood is dishing on sustainable seafood and his catfish Sloppy Joe, which is a huge hit at his Vegas restaurant. 
You'll also hear from Chef Bernard Gias and Gary Woolley. They're sharing fall recipes for using fennel pollen, one of my favorite secret ingredients. And the Food Network's much-loved Sunny Anderson. We love her, too. Working on her first cookbook, in fact, live from her test kitchen. She's going to be at the New York Wine and Food Festival coming up in New York beginning of next month, as we will be as well. And so we're going to tell you all about it. Lana, I'm looking forward to traveling and eating galore. Oh, aren't we? (laughs) Definitely so. We have been eating well, especially here in Southern California and abroad. And you'll find restaurant reviews, videos, and recipes of the week, along with cocktails you'll love at ChefJamie.com. So please check it out. We're going to kick off this morning with our technique of the week. It's meant to be a little something that we hope will change your life in your kitchen, big time. They're not-so-secret secrets that I have found very helpful in my cooking, and they are being shared on the website. You'll find the technique of the week, this week, in fact, how to make homemade chicken stock. And when it comes to making chicken stock, you don't need much more than a big soup pot the leftover bones from that roasted chicken that you made last night for dinner, or maybe you bought at Bristol Farms, or some vegetable odds and ends to go along with it, and then you really have the the means to make homemade chicken stock. I can't even imagine tossing a chicken carcass in the trash. What an incredible waste that would be. And making homemade stock is so simple and so much better than the canned kind. It is a great base for soups for chilies all throughout the football season, for braises, and it freezes beautifully. So whether they're small containers or even big, or consider ice cube trays of stock for when you just need like a few tablespoons for a sauce, really it's such an incredibly easy process. There's no excuse to not be making homemade stock. Now, by definition, and this is a question we get often, Lana, and I love, Mm -hmm. this is one of the great French classical recipes. The simplicity of it is beautiful. Um, But the, the method itself and the defining factors are what are most important. The difference between stock and broth is bones. Broth is usually from concentrate or it's reconstituted. Stock is made from the carcass, the bones, even the shells of protein. So if you're making chicken stock, it comes from the bones. It could be a raw chicken, by the way, making like chicken soup, for instance, or it could be the bones, and there's two ways to actually make stock. You can roast the bones first, which I've given a method for on the website, and that gives you a really rich, even darker colored stock that's full of flavor. Or you can just throw the bones into a pot of water and cover with aromatics and flavorful vegetables. If you made lobster stock, which we do when we have leftover, well, there's no such thing as leftover lobster. That's sort of like leftover wine. doesn't happen. Um, But if you take the lobster shells and you throw them into a pot with water and carrots and onions, you get lobster stock. The same thing at Thanksgiving, right? Turkey stock. Mm -hmm. Um, That's some of the best flavor you'll ever experience. And so this is a quick refresher on the simple one-on-one on how to make really good chicken stock. Now, we do it in a pot, but we've also been known to do it in the pressure cooker, which I think is um, a quite uh, brilliant concept. And, Lana, I know you think the flavor is almost richer oftentimes in the pressure cooker and a third of the time for cooking. Oh, it's a very quick way, and you could use the stock uh, immediately. Yes, that's true. Now, there are a couple of tips to making the ultimate stock. You can throw everything from the produce bin, fresh and sometimes slightly aging, into the pot with the chicken. Onions, carrots, leeks 
celery, parsnips, garlic, fresh thyme, dill, parsley, what did I forget? Salt and pepper, celery root, if you wanted, right? Celery act, mm-hmm. it's also known as. And then you bring it to a boil, reduce it to a simmer if you're doing it on the top of the stove. And after a few hours, you and you've walked away, you have this beautiful, reduced, delicious flavored stock. Now, I like to let the stock cool and then place it in the refrigerator overnight. You taught me that. Mm-hmm. And this really applies to not only your chicken stock, but even to your Rosh Hashanah brisket, right? Because yes. the fat congeals mm-hmm. on the top and you skim it the next day. Mm-hmm. And the stock might become a little gelatinous when it's chilled, but it always returns to the liquid state when it's warmed again. Well, that's a good thing to see it become jellied. Yes, because that means you reduced it so much that Mm -hmm. you brought out the gelatin and the bones and you have really guaranteed delicious flavor. Now, from my restaurant days, I can tell you there are two ways to make chicken stock. The first is the dump recipe, which I just explained. The other is a very rich stock, dark brown color. And that option is where the bones are roasted first, often with the onions. Mm -hmm. And I know from watching lots of Food Network that we know Bobby Flay only makes roasted stocks. Mm -hmm. And if you're making just boiled stock, then you should really try the second version and see what you like. Um, Because it's really uh, an enhanced flavor that I think is quite delicious. Well, I think if you're going to save it uh, and put it into containers and freeze it, then roasting your bones is the best way to go. Because it adds to all of your future sauces. Yeah, it definitely compounds Mm -hmm. the flavor, Mm -hmm. essentially. Once you've tasted and cooked with homemade stock, which we made Arthur Schwartz's mushroom barley soup with homemade stock, Mm -hmm. you will seldom buy the commercial kind again. Mm -hmm. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Tremendous difference. The best flavor, I think, comes from homemade chicken stock. And there is a standard recipe posted on the Technique of the Week at ChefJamie.com. It includes leeks and carrots and celery and parsnips, that sweet white carrot that I love, and all the good stuff that goes into making the ultimate chicken stock. So please check it out and let us know how your homemade stock turns out. You can always email us your cooking questions directly to live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com, live at chefjamie.com, or jamie at chefjamie.com, or lana at chefjamie.com. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, you're going to add a starch of your choice yes. to it, whether it be rice or egg noodles or kreplock, like we made. Yeah, we're preparing for Rosh Hashanah. I loved making kreplock with you last night. Just those simple little dumplings that are going to burst with flavor mm-hmm. in a in a lovely broth tonight to start out the meal. Yes, yes, a chicken kreplock. A lot of people make beef kreplock as well. I like the chicken flavor, and I love mm. that we tested it. You know, when you're making a meatloaf come this fall season, as soon as the weather here in Southern California gets cool, um, or you're making anything from a, a raw meat base, Always take a little bit out, like we did of the kreplock dough, and put it into a saute pan and just cook it quickly so that you can taste it cooked and adjust the seasoning. This is how really great meatballs and meatloaf and kreplock and dumplings and any Chinese dumpling is made even better by testing the ingredients all along the way to guarantee delicious results. We know that you're here because you love to eat and you have a passion for cooking. Well, we're keeping you updated on our culinary explorations of the world, and we hope you will join us. We have just planned my fifth annual Chef Jamie Loyal Listeners Cruise, and it is coming up next year, September 2013, so you have lots of time to prepare. 
We are going on a Baltic Odyssey on board Oceana Cruises Marina ship from Copenhagen to Stockholm. And if you love to indulge in fabulous food and fine wine, then we hope you will join us to experience the brilliance and the beauty of the Baltics. I am very excited. Uh, we are setting sail for a 10-day journey, September 3rd, 2013 of next year. We start in Copenhagen. Uh, then we go um, to Berlin, Germany. We'll see the Berlin Wall. We're off to Poland where we'll explore the city's uh, deeply rooted history. Then what the New York Times says are some of the best restaurants in Europe right now. We're going to spend three days exploring St. Petersburg. Oh, I'm having blinis and caviar everywhere we go. I absolutely can't wait. And then finally we end in Stockholm, Sweden. And there are lots of wonderful, fabulously foodie plans all throughout the cruise. I'll be cooking on board for you in a private cooking class along with a food and wine seminar. We'll be offering a short excursion as well, private for our group. And we are planning to create unforgettable memories. So we hope you will join us on our Baltic Odyssey Food and Wine Trails. Agency mm -hmm. is handling our cruise and you can learn more at chefjamie.com and click through to foodandwinetrails.com. Did you know that the number one restaurant in the world is in Denmark? No, but I'd really like to go there. It's Noma Restaurant. It's been made number one. They are really doing fabulous things up in the Baltic. Yeah, pretty impressive. Fabulous cooking. Yes, uh, delicious dishes. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't wait. We hope that you will cruise with us. My fifth annual Loyal Listeners Cruise coming up next September 2013. So check it out, please, at chefjamie.com. And stay with us as the delicious conversation continues. You just might learn something coming up you're going to hear from Erica Sanchez. She's the Nibbles and Feasts blog that's gained a lot of attention. It's actually bilingual and quite interesting. You'll learn more about it. Plus, we're making your dishes come alive with flavor. So stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. There's nowhere else we'd rather be on a Sunday morning than live with you. Grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and enjoy. There's more delicious tastes right after this. It's delectable, it's divine, it's food and wine with Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. We have scoured the web and we have found the tastiest, most delectable, most read food blogs of them all. And she is one of them. We know that you're reading Nibbles and Feasts and we know that you know that Erica Sanchez has been named one of Babbel.com's top 100 mom food bloggers and one of the top Latina bloggers in the country. Erica joins us live to share what she loves about food and what it's like to be surrounded by food and her computer keyboard most of the day long. We're glad to have you. Good morning, Erica. Hi, Jamie. How are you? Very well. Good. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, how nice. Thank you. We're very delighted that you've joined us. And uh, we know that you have a tremendous passion for food, and it comes from your childhood combined with your culture. And that's very much uh, where I come from, too. You know that um, Lana is my mom, and we work together, and my love for food began when I sat on the counter in the kitchen. Um, tell us what it's like to raise a family in the Latin culture and write about food. And interestingly enough, you write about food in English and in Spanish. Yes, that's correct. Well, I, similar to you, I grew up, you know, around food. My grandmother being a person like my chef and my instructor along with my mom, but mm. every summer I would spend my, my, my vacation with my grandmother and she owned a convenience store and she would sell all of these different foods to the, 
to the public, including, you know, soap and and uh, rice. And, but, you know, her main bread and butter was bread and butter. <laughs> so that was um, how it all began. And it's just, it's very, um, it brings back a lot of memories, and I enjoy doing it, you know, passing it on to my, my son. It's really an, a, an amazing way to bring history forward. What is it like to have the top bilingual blog? Tell us how you do it. It's very interesting to me. At the top part of the page, you can read the uh, the blog about quesadillas and, you know, what your son loves about it or, uh, you know, all the backstory. And then if you continue to read down, it is translated word for word into Spanish. Yes, it's actually double. It's like writing two blog posts. It's a very, it's very diligent. You have to really go through everything twice. Some ingredients are translated differently, hmm. but it is, it's double the work. And I don't know how it just, it just happened. I was just documenting my recipes and all of a sudden this blog just exploded. And I was very, very honored to be named as part of the rabble list and, as, and to be invited to the White House this past May to listen to, to some of the top people in, 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 in D.C. Hmm. Congratulations. Tell us, you know, as if we were there with you, give us a virtual tour of what it was like to be in D.C. Where do you think blogs are going and growing to? Well, this was definitely focused to the Latina moms. And uh, it, we were invited to uh, attend a session at the White House where they spoke about nutrition and health care and employment. So, of course, my passion is nutrition, and they talked to us about Let's Move and MyPrint.org. And uh, there was just, it was just a big push for us to dilute that, that information and spread the word of what's going on in the White House and that there is help out there if you do need it, on any, whatever it is. So if you look for it, you'll find it, yeah. We're big proponents of the Let's Move campaign through the First Lady, of course, and her gardens and the farmer's market. Mexican cuisine is traditionally known, Latin cuisine, for being uh, indulgent, might be a kind word, uh, you know, filled with cheese and often fat and um, fried foods. And I wonder if you would share a couple of tips with us to create leaner meals that are Latin-inspired. Of course, I did grow up uh, around sometimes in lard in the in the big oh, the big celebration yes. of course the US tamales and uh-huh. but of course we cut that out we'll use oil instead of um, melting cheeses that are loaded with that we use um, fresh cheeses it could be like queso fresco or cotija or just cut down on the tortillas and and on the flour tortillas and use a little bit more corn we try to you know adjust our lifestyle but definitely that's been that's out the window. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, also, as far as the chorizo, we'll use soy chorizo. My son loves it. He oh, he does? Yeah. I mean, there's no difference to him at all. It's part of home now. We'll use tofu as well. He, we love putting it in his fidel, so it is a vermicelli soup, so it's, it's, he's used to it now. He loves it. I think it's terrific that we're able to incorporate like flavors and still accommodate the cravings but that we can um, raise our children knowing that there are really good foods out there that taste good, that are good for you, and that you can feel good about serving. I'm not sure that the quesadilla falls under the health food category, um, but I love the piece that you did um, recently on the blog about quesadillas because it is it's a super quick snack. It can be made very unique and inspired by whatever you happen to have in the fridge. It doesn't have to be Latin-inspired. You could make an Italian quesadilla with a 
you know, a smear of pesto and buffalo mozzarella cheese and sun-dried tomatoes from Melissa's if you had them on the door. Give us some of your best combinations. My best and my favorite would have to be queso fresco and squash blossoms. Mm. I just love that. It's so very rustic. And also um, mushrooms, throwing those in there and caramelizing onions and, you know, having some sort of a cheese in there, mm. um, your favorite cheese. And it has just the balance of the sweetness of the onions and the, the earthiness of the mushrooms. It's mm. just a great way to, to have it's just a complete meal. And kids love cheese. Anything <laughs> cheese. And very vegetarian, too. I'm really leaning more. I mean, I love a good steak, Erica, but I am really definitely leaning more toward the vegetarian style. On some days, I just feel better. And I like the idea of using a leaner cheese and incorporating the onions and the mushrooms, as you talk about. Tell us more. What else are you cooking with in the Latin style? Oh, definitely tamales. Tamales are big. And uh, soups, very creamy, hearty soups, like crema poblano, crema potato, all those comforts. Comfort foods, right, right. Go back to Crema Poblano. Can you talk us through it? It starts, I would think, with a simple saute. Yes, uh, with simple saute, and you, well, actually, you first have to peel the chilies. Okay. You have to so, roast them and peel them. Yes. And then you saute onions with a little bit of butter, and you uh, also boil some potatoes on the side. You blend in potatoes and poblanos in the blender, and you simmer. It's actually really easy. Throw it in the pot. Let it simmer for a while, throwing a little bit of cream or milk if mm. you're cutting down on, on on that. Salt to taste, and it's perfect. It's very smoky and very just creamy. The, the potato really balances it out. Mm, and then I'm thinking, because of course I have to push the envelope, you know, I'm thinking just some um, crispy bacon crumbled over the top with the smoky flavor of the poblano and the richness of the potato, or even a, a piece of pancetta just crisped in the oven on a baking sheet, you know, lined with a soap mat, just as a really beautiful garnish. You could also garnish it with queso fresco, mm. a little piece of queso fresco, and that's the saltiness that it yes. makes perfect. Ooh, a little bit of tang. Okay, crema poblano soup uh, on my menu, and hopefully uh, soon to be noted once again in Erica Sanchez's bilingual blog. You'll find her at Nibbles and Feast. It's really a wonderful combination of English and Spanish-inspired dishes and her family stories. And we congratulate you on all your continued success and for bringing such delicious dishes to life. Thank you again for sharing all your passion, Erica. We wish you continued success. Thank you so much, Amy. It was a pleasure to have you. As we continue our culinary conversation, you wrote to us. We like to say join the conversation. You can even talk with your mouth full via email at live at chefjamie.com. Lana, what is Joan in need of this morning? Oh, so many people have written in about how to make the best noodle cocoa. Well, it is Rosh Hashanah. Yes. No. <laughs> You're going to share your... It does go with brisket well, doesn't it? Yes, that it does, and it will at about 6.30 tonight. I can't wait to sit down and eat. It is slightly sweet and it's very indulgently rich. And it's also great for breakfast the next morning. Oh, is it ever with a cup of coffee? But Mm -hmm. a couple of secrets that you share, which I love, that I think make for a creamier noodle kugel. Mm -hmm. To just put, except the noodles, of course, everything in the blender. Yes. You know, your cottage cheese, your sour cream. If you're using cream cheese, put it in there. Sugar, a little bit of the unsalted uh, butter, uh, melted, some salt, some cinnamon. I like the smoothness that you get when you blend, use the food processor or the blender, 
the cottage cheese, the sour cream, mm-hmm. all the dairy. And it makes for a firmer noodle kugel if you want to cut it into squares at the end, let it rest for about 20 minutes. It's sort of custardy, mm-hmm. essentially, that sets up. Yes, yeah. exactly. And for Tom that wrote in, you can make it low-fat, Tom, if you mm-hmm. wanted, right? Just low-fat dairy, low-fat cream cheese. Right. Low-fat sour cream, mm-hmm. low-fat cottage cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's richer in, in I was gonna the say. other way. But, yeah. but Rosatrana only comes once a year, so <laughs> go big or go home and let us know how your noodle kugel turns right. out. Make sure that your egg uh, noodles are drained very well. Good tip. Thank you for writing in, Joan. We appreciate it. And Tom as well. Alicia Nachova, Happy New Year to you both. As the delicious conversation continues, Chef Rick Moonen is sharing his catfish sloppy joe. You won't want to miss this recipe. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Seth Danny Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We have a taste for life, and we're dedicated to delicious dishes. So is this gentleman. Chef Rick Moonen has devoted much of his career to being the country's top culinary advocate for sustainable seafood. We love his extraordinary restaurant, Rick Moonen's RM Seafood at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. It's really a a beautiful sight to behold. The lower level of the restaurant offers sustainable seafood. There's a sushi and a raw bar. And then the upper level is the more elegant dining experience. His globally inspired cuisine is highlighted and his whimsical menus as well. His first cookbook, A Lifelong Dream, was published a few years ago called Fist Without a Doubt. It's a practical hands-on guide to buying, preparing, and cooking a wide array of fish. And you've seen him on the hit TV series Top Chef Masters and Top Chef Las Vegas. But you can find him at the stove and for the first time here in your radio. We're delighted to have you, Chef. Good morning. Good morning, Janie. How are you? We're doing great. And you? Fantastic. Good. I'm so glad. Well, welcome. We really very much appreciate your commitment to sustainable seafood, and we, too, advocate for the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And we'd love to know if you would give us an idea of how our oceans stand right now. Well, I would love to have a glowing report, but unfortunately, Hmm. it's not so. There's a global hunger for ocean products have kind of bared down too much on, on a short list of species that we think are fantastic. And there's so many more out there. There's a diversity in the ocean that what we're ignoring, and, and we're driving some of our favorite species to uh, to extinction in some some cases. So what I try to do is show people that diversity can be tasty. That diversity is, is not that difficult to obtain and to, to, uh, to cook, and it's just as good for you. And it's so much healthier for the environment because it gives those targeted species a chance to recover. I love how verbal you are, Rick, about what you stand up for. There was a wonderful piece in the Washington Post about how you stand up for a wild Alaskan salmon. And when you serve salmon in the restaurant, a card comes to the table and tells the diner exactly where that salmon comes from to try to support areas of growth. Is that something that you plan to continue to do to try to spread the gospel? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm trying to bring more personal connection with people and their food. Hmm. You know, and fish aren't necessarily the most cuddliest things in the world. Nobody really hugs <laughs> the fish, you know. But we understand how important it is. And we, in the future of our existence is going to be interdependent upon the health of our planet. Yeah. I mean, we're 7 billion people on this planet right now. 
One billion of them are hungry or starving. We're going up to nine billion, according to projections. We have to treat our environment a little bit more respectfully. Yes. You know, and, and it can be delicious. It's not, oh, no, it's not a woe is me situation. You no, know? certainly and, and, not. And I've been focused on this for 20 some odd years. You know, so it's kind of a natural progression for me to be handing out information. You know, you're, you're eating a wild salmon today. Yes, it is a little bit more expensive, but here's the reason that it's better for you and for the world. You know, Bristol Bay is what you're talking about. It's a part of Alaska that no one knows about, right. except if you're a fisherman, you go up there, because the population is a 1,000 people. <laughs> yeah, and it's where most of our sockeye salmon globally comes from, one part of the world. It's also a very rich part of uh, the environment, so they found a lot of gold and copper there. They want to put an open pit mine at the headwaters of these rivers that supply the salmon naturally to us every single year, over no, and over. No, Nobody, no, no. Nobody's planting a seed. Nobody's doing anything about it, but, but, but nature's bringing it to us, and there's plenty of it. Right. But if we put this mine in there, it's going to destroy the environment, and those fish will go away, you know, and it just doesn't make sense. We've been doing this for way too long. So I have a message. I love food, and I love delivering information, and I hope that it, and I think that it's reached a tipping point. People are starting to go, mm, you know, we really have to do something. I agree. I think people are starting to listen. By the way, good morning. If you've just tuned in, you're late because Chef Rick Moonen is in your radio, RMC Food at the Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas. This is cooking and entertaining from a chef's point of view. Uh, we are listening, Chef. And one of the things you mentioned about how you can't cuddle with your fish, if you don't mind, I want you to know I would love to cuddle up with one of your catfish sloppy joes. <laughs> that was a fun thing. When I was in the midst of doing my cookbook, Fish Without a Doubt, I realized that I needed to use um, seafood that people can get in the middle of America. You know, catfish and tilapia. These are affordable fish proteins that, you know, in a high-end restaurant are normally, you know, utilized. So I started playing around with catfish, and I was actually pretty impressed with its texture and everything. It had a real meaty texture. I'm like, hmm. I was making a barbecue sauce at the time to glaze a different recipe, and I'm like, this would probably work. It tastes like I can make a sloppy joe out of it. Mm. Put it together, took a bite out of it, and I turned to Roy, who was my co-author, and I said, this is going to sell this book. Ended up on the Oprah Winfrey show. We yes. started here at RMC Food in Mandalay Bay, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. I love that the farm-raised catfish that you're using is rated a best choice, right, in terms of the Monterey Bay Aquarium well, Safeguard yeah, environment. They're farm-raised in the United States. Right. There's, you know, there's of the countries that don't adhere to the same uh, set of rules and standards as we do. and um, We need to be watchful. Correct. Yes. You know, and, and that's true with tilapia as well. You'll farm raise the United States. Same scenario. Okay. So we're conscious of that. There's this fish-friendly barbecue sauce, though, that you flavor with clam juice and a little caramel and red wine vinegar, and I'd kill to know a little bit more about how to make it. Oh, it's simple. You take some olive oil, you saute some onions and garlic, put a little fresh thyme in it, cook it slowly, no color. In another pan, a little bit of sugar till it turns to caramel. Add some uh, red wine vinegar. Bring them together with, uh, I think I mentioned fresh thyme leaves. Yes. And then some clam juice. Normally, I would add some stock of some sort if it was for meat. But in this case, the clam juice, which really has the flavor of the ocean, that umani deliciousness. Mm. Mm. So it adds a richness to the barbecue sauce. And a little Tabasco in there, you know, take it up a little bit for flavor or whatever your favorite hot sauce. And that's the base. Then basically it's just to saute some fresh onions and, and some peppers, and some paprika, mm. add the barbecue sauce to it, saute the catfish on the side, bring it all together, to, uh, simmer it down until it gets thick, put it on a toasted bun, and uh, some pickles, and, and I like to put, you know, some potato chips or something for crunch, and, yeah. 
and just wait for it to drip down your arm because it's called a sloppy joe for a reason. <laughs> oh, you made me hungry. I would actually go for a catfish sloppy joe for breakfast. That would be perfect for tonight, you know, for Rosh Hashanah. Yes. You put that together, and, you know, and kids love it. It's delicious. It's affordable. It, it carries omega-3s right into your bloodstream. It's good for All you. All good stuff. I love that you mentioned Rosh Hashanah. Thank you. We are celebrating the start of the Jewish New Year tonight. And Rosh Hashanah literally means head of the year in Hebrew. So for this reason, in a lot of Jewish communities, it's very traditional to eat the whole fish. Chef, as I'm sure you know, to put it out for a Rosh Hashanah meal is definitely a symbol of abundance. So would you talk us through your best preparation for a whole fish for dinner tonight? You know what I would do? I would do it in a salt crust. Mm. I think um, it's really... You know, it's not as difficult as you think. If you have a whole fish, leave the head on. You can even leave the scales on it because a fish is naturally waterproof, okay? And it, it swims in the water. Water's not going into it. It's well put. So you're going to create a com- complete cast, a cast out of, out of salt, like a pl- you know, plaster of Paris. You take kosher salt, egg whites, and water, mix them up together till it gets, it looks like wet sand. You put it down on a large, uh, you know, cookie sheet or some kind of a sheet pan. And then uh, the fish goes right on top. You coat the top of it with, with salt as well and bake it in the oven. It comes out unbelievable because the fish is cooked on the bone. It's basically steamed in its own in its own juices, but it mm-hmm. gets all the benefits from the mm-hmm. gelatin and the flavor and the nutrition from the bones. Mm-hmm. You crack the shell off of it, the, the salt uh, crust, peel it off. The skin comes right off. The flesh is just steamy and delicious, sticky almost because of all the gelatin in it. A little bit of extra virgin olive oil, your favorite herbs, some vegetables on the side, some cucumbers. It's unbelievable. Super simple and worth the effort. And so clean and so full of fabulous fresh flavor. And that's what I love, from the sea to your table. And you do have a little bit of leeway here. It's not, oh, you know, you have to do it two and a half minutes or you're overcooked. The fish tends to stay much more moist. You know, in this instance, I'm thinking in my mind like a bronzino or a lutamere or a smaller size fish. You certainly don't want to put in, you know, a two-foot-long fish into your oven. You want to, it probably won't fit. Sure. You can do, like, some smaller fish. Seth, you want to come for Rosh Hashanah dinner tonight at Lana's? You can bring the fish. I'll be right over. I love it. <laughs> you have an open invitation anytime. What is your latest ingredient obsession? Rick? I've been playing around a lot with well, salmon roe, to be honest with you. Salmon roe. Salmon roe. I mean, from the Yukon River. You know, this is like one of the longest rivers in the world. And the fish that come uh, are caught in the Yukon have so much fat. So I've, I've got kilos of chum roe. Yeah. And it's just so packed with the, it's like a superfood. And the flavor is just so rich and delicious. I've been mm. putting it on everything. I've been mm. spreading it on flatbreads. been using it in my sushi restaurant. And I've been just... I, I have one in, uh, in my refrigerator at home because I just think it's, it's like, forget those omega-3 capsules. Get it, right, get eat it, it fresh. From, from the source, yeah. Put it on so your that, cereal. <laughs> I love that. You can find it at RM Seafood at Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, guaranteed. And we can find you coming up at Savor the Central Coast. We're very excited oh, yeah. about your participation in what we think is one of the best West Coast food events. It's a breathtaking uh, atmosphere and environment at the historic Santa Margarita Ranch, right? It's called Savor the Central Coast. It's uh, brought to us by Sunset Magazine, and there are still tickets available, savorcentralcoast.com. Will you be cooking and eating? I will be cooking, eating, drinking, beautiful. <laughs> I mean, that, that area of the world is just so gorgeous. Yes. Wine-growing region. 
all the agriculture, all the, all the farms and everything. If, if I had to pick one place in the world that I could live, it would be St. Louis Bispo. You know, it's so beautiful. I can't wait to go. I'm going to be doing a cooking demonstration on uh, on September 30th, a Sunday, and plan on just kicking back and having a great time because it's one of the most embracing places in the world. Besides the diversity and the deliciousness of food, you know, savor, take your time, relax. Just enjoy. It's so delicious. It's all good for you. You don't have to start questioning. This is coming from a source of, that isn't isn't good for me. It yeah. certainly, as you can feel it, it's in the air. It's definitely a culinary journey when you're in that part of the world and a wonderful way to savor. There are still tickets available so that you, too, can see and meet Rick Moonen in person. Chef will be there the entire weekend, although he's showcased on September 30th, and you want to be there September 27th through the 30th. Tickets available to register at SaverCentralCoast.com. Do you want to learn more about the leading chefs making fabulous fish dishes in our country today? Go to RickMoonin.com, and we hope you'll come back, Chef, and join us again. What a fascinating, wonderful conversation. You inspired me to a whole fish tonight for Rosh Hashanah, and we will think of you and say a blessing with your name. Thank you very much. Yes, of course. Well, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Rick Moonen, RM, Seafood at Mandalay Bay, Las Vegas. Looking forward to having you on again, Chef. What a delightful conversation. As the delicious conversation continues, there's more right after this. One last bite. Don't go away. Welcome back. Chef Jenny Gwen along with Lana in your radio. She's our resident baker and sweet maker. She is pastry chef Abby Dodge at abbydodge.com. You can bake together with her. And she's joining us this morning to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, which starts tonight. Rosh to all who celebrate a sweet and prosperous new year. Abby, we're so glad to have you for uh, a short, sweet thought to end this hour. And we love the recipes you shared. Thank you. By the way, if you would like Abby Dodge's recipes for chocolate dip, toasted coconut macaroons, and cinnamon sugar apple phyllo triangles, you can email us live at chefjamie.com. Good morning, Abby. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Happy New Year to you. Well, thank you very much. Talk to us about these little triangles with the crunchy, sugary outside, as you say, and a buttery, caramelized apple center. I'm in. I know. Right. <laughs> right. Well, to me, this is just one of these wonderfully easy yet incredibly flavorful recipes. And the filling, let's start with the filling, because it has two, the two ingredients that when I think of Rosh Hashanah, I go directly to, and that's apples and honey. Mm-hmm. And the filling is sautéed up until the apples are, you know, buttery tender. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, mm-hmm. if you could eat a apple-flavored butter, this is it. Mm-hmm. And you flavor it with your own type of honey, um, more or less, depending on, on what you like. And really, you can use any, you know, any type of honey, any flavored honey. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it local. Um because I always think that's best, and it helps yes. with your allergies, too. Mm-hmm. And then I fold them up in strips of phyllo um, that's not difficult to work with. The, you know, I give directions on how to do that, that I layer with some cinnamon sugar and some nuts. So you get not only the flaky pastry once they're baked, but you get the crunchy texture from, the, from what's in between those layers. And then you bite into that center filling of the apple honey filling. Mm. I think it's just heaven. Fabulous. Mm. Abby, I have some puff pastry, frozen puff pastry in the house. Could I substitute that for the phyllo? Yes, you definitely can, Lana. Um, 
you're not going to be layering it in the same way um, with the cinnamon nut sugar because mm -hmm. um, the puff pastry is much, much thicker. Mm -hmm. And with the frozen puff pastry, um, you want to thaw it in the refrigerator or, you know, you can do it on the counter as long as you're watching it. And just make sure to roll it. Um, you can even roll it using some of that cinnamon sugar. Ooh, um, nice. And, and so it's nice and thin. And oh. then do your strips and then fold. Instead of folding them, the triangles, many times, I just fold over once. Cut them into small squares. Oh, nice. Add the filling in the center, fold over, brush with some egg glaze, and then sprinkle the cinnamon sugar nut on top. Over the top. Oh, See, that's more that's like a dessert. ham pie. That's dessert right? tonight. We talked about those beautiful ham pies. In fact, there's a wonderful recipe posted at chefjamie.com from Abby. I'll eat your puff pastry anyway, Mom, <laughs> just so you know. And, Abby, I'm going to try it with the phyllo. I love the layers of the butter in between the crunchy phyllo. And then traditional for most Jewish holidays, and just I think a sweet that we know and love so much that it translates just to, translates rather just about to any feast are macaroons. So give us the two-minute lowdown, Abby, on how to make the ultimate coconut macaroon, please. Okay. Well, um, this my macaroon, my coconut macaroon, has four ingredients. And I start with toasted coconut, which is a little, oh, I love that. It's a little different. But in my book, Desserts for Today, I really wanted to make these flavors, you know, four-ingredient desserts have big flavors. So I start with toasted coconut, and I mix it with some egg white and some granulated sugar. And, again, not a lot because your coconut is already toasted. And then you just spoon them, you know, little two-tablespoon mounds, and you use onto your cookie sheets. And you slightly dampen fingers so that it doesn't stick to your fingers. And shape them into little pyramids, little kind of small traditional pyramids. Mm -hmm. Bake them at a low temperature, uh, like 275, and, um, and then let them cool. And then I like to dip those pyramid tips mm. into melted bittersweet chocolate. Yeah, and that's what I really like about you the most, Abby. <laughs> and I like to put out a fondue, by the way, and just dip every and oh. any sweet Perfect. on the table. Perfect, Perfect for Rosh Hashanah. And Abby's going to be back to talk about her new book, Mini Treats and a Handheld Sweet, yes. in a couple of weeks. We can't wait. The new release from Abby Dodge, the newest sweet cookbook essential for your collection, will soon arrive at Amazon.com, and we're mm -hmm. going to dish on all the most delicious recipes from our resident baker and sweets maker. Abby, we love you and we love your sweets and we thank you for celebrating with us. Love you too, ladies. Oh, thank you. The chocolate dip toasted macaroons and the cinnamon sugar apple phyllo triangle recipes can be yours. Write to us at live at chefjamie.com, abbydodge.com. You'll find Abby tweeting on Twitter too. She's the best. As we continue our culinary conversation right here, stay tuned because there's a whole other hour of fabulous food in your radio. Grab a snack and come on back. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana with you on this Sunday morning. You're listening to KFWB News Talk 980.